If God says it, it is done. How many of you believe that this morning? You know, most of us are willing to raise our hand and actually maybe even shout it from the rooftops. Um, but have you ever doubted that statement for a moment in hard, of hardship? I have. Um, wanted to mention to you, uh, as well, I was going to mention this earlier, but I didn't. Uh, I had a, a loss in my family this last week. My great aunt Deb passed away. And uh, it, it was a, she was a great aunt. She was a great person and great aunt. <laughs> And, uh, you know, our family is very close. Uh, we have a very close extended family. Even though it is extended, a lot of people don't necessarily have as much contact with extended family, but we do. Um, so to lose a great aunt, and especially uh, my Aunt Deb, is very hard and difficult for us. So I ask for your prayers. Um, I was uh, just watching a video of her yesterday singing a song called Surely Goodness and Mercy. Surely goodness and mercy. Such a good song, and she had such a great voice in saying it. Surely goodness, surely mercy. So, ask for your prayers for our family as we process through that loss. Um, but have you ever wondered if God would come through different things he said? You know, we thought he would come through specifically for my great aunt. She had leukemia. But do you know how long she had it? Two months. Two months. Quick, quick, quick uh, cancer that took her life. She believed in Jesus, had a strong relationship with Him, was a very um, encouraging person in our relationship with God. Um, but you know, why, why does this kind of thing happen? Why do we pray for people and they don't uh, get well like we thought they would? I don't have all the answers this morning, but I do know that the promises that God has made, He will do. So if God says it, it is done. So let's break this down today. Here's the thing about this statement, that if we don't know what God has actually said, then we're not going to know much about this statement anyway, if God says it, it is done. So we need to know what God has said. I want to read a letter to you that I wrote uh, to illustrate this. Now, this letter is not my words. However, it is the words of God compiled from a variety of scriptures throughout the Bible. And included in this letter are excerpts from Isaiah, Deuteronomy, John, Psalm, Matthew, 2 Corinthians, and Exodus. So it's a big compilation of things. But be encouraged as I read this to you today. And imagine that this is a letter from God written to you right now. Because truly it is. This is God's word from Scripture to you. Listen this morning as I read. Dear child of mine, I want to encourage you to not be afraid or dismayed. Because I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I've been doing this for a long time. And I guarantee you that you can trust me. Before you even come to a situation in life, I'm already there. And I've walked ahead of you to see what is to come. Think about me often because I have perfect peace for you. As you think about and trust in me. When you approach difficult situations, I will be with you, and I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, I don't mean to frighten you, but there will be difficult times ahead in life. Knowing this, I encourage you to not get ahead of me. I have already overcome the world, so you'll be able to get through the situation that's coming your way. When you don't know what to do in a given situation, I will instruct you and teach you what to do. I'll give you counsel, so you don't have to do it alone. Amongst the difficulty in life, you might even fall flat on your face a time or two, but I will uphold your hand. 
You will make many more mistakes in life because you're human. And that may get tired and wearisome. But when that happens, I'll give you rest. Trust me when I say that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Again, trust in me. I will fight for you. I leave you with a final thought. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Blessings to you, my child, your Father, God. Now again, I hope you're understanding from these excerpts that these are straight from these books of the Bible that I mentioned and that this is what God is saying to you today. He wants you to trust in Him, and if God says it, it is done. If God says it, it is done. So trust these words today. Don't forget them, because this is truly the heart of God. He's there for you, just like that letter said. But we have to put our trust in Him. Along these same lines, I want to share about a man named Ezekiel. But before we do that, I'm going to give you a little background for the book and the man, the prophet, and the priest named Ezekiel. We open to this book, and we find that, first of all, Ezekiel wrote it. Not every book in the Bible that has a name for the title of the book is necessarily written by that person, by that name. This specific book is. So Ezekiel wrote Ezekiel, and he was born in, in 622 B.C., which probably doesn't mean much of anything to us, but except for the fact that um, King Josiah was reigning during this time. And he was making reforms and changes in the government. Now, this is a pretty cool thing, because Josiah made some pretty cool changes in the government to, to pave this way for great things to come, and then Ezekiel came after. So uh, King Josiah was making these reforms, but before Josiah, people were sacrificing to idols that were not to the one true God, and it was a public defiance of God. 1 Kings 13, verses 1 through 2 says, And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah, by name. And he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. So, deep, right? Kind of brutal. But we understand this is a prophecy coming straight out of the Old Testament. Josiah was obviously special in history because can someone tell me how many kings were prophesied about before they actually came? Not many. I can tell you two. I can tell you Josiah, and I can tell you Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So at least those two we know about. So not many kings were prophesied about before they came, but Josiah was. You have to understand about this section of Scripture that God did not want these people sacrificing anything to any gods other than himself. 1 Kings 13, verses 33 and 34 said, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again from among the people. So he was making priests for these altars that were not honoring God. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. Now, there was sin in the heart of the king. There was sin in the hearts of the people. God's name was not revered. God's name was not honored. He was thrown to the side. For years and years, 
Kings would turn away their eyes from the idols. Kings would turn away their eyes from the statues that people were worshipping. And it was a very bad time when all these kings would turn their eyes away. These people would worship Baal. They would set up Asherah poles, which was basically people who were involved in sexual sin. And this was the society. 2 Kings 22 comes along, and then the prophecy about Josiah was fulfilled. Josiah came along, and finally this prophecy came about. He was eight years old when he began to reign. An eight-year-old king. Obviously, he had some trusted advisors. Because when I was eight years old, I was trying to get the best spot in the lunch line, um, you know, at school. Uh, but he was king at eight years old. So he began to reign, and Scripture says that he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. 2 Kings 22, verse 2 says about Josiah, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of his father David, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Now, quick pause here, because if you take a look at uh, these words, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, there were many kings that were right in the eyes of the Lord. If you look all throughout Scripture, you will find that there were many kings that it says in Scripture, they did right in the eyes of the Lord. But the other kings didn't do anything about these high places and these idols that were being worshipped. This gives us a little bit of insight as to why Josiah was prophesied about. Because Josiah finally did something about the high places and about the priests of these foreign idols and about these prophets of Baal and everything. So finally, this is, this is the idea that, yes, Josiah was prophesied about here, but just like a lot of the other kings, th this was said about a lot of other kings, but this guy was different. Now, the high priest named Hilkiah found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Catch that wording. Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law. If something has to be found... Isn't it lost to begin with? If they had to find it, that tells me that they really didn't follow it well. And when this priest brought it out, found it, he brought it to King Josiah and started reading it. And they found out that much of the law they had not been following because the book was lost. They found it. So they started to read it and King Josiah was so upset because they were not following the law. He was in anguish, so much so that he tore his clothes. And back then, tearing your clothes was a sign of weeping, a sign of anguish. And, and he realized that they had not been following the book of the law, so he decided to do something about it. Second uh, Kings verse 20, chapter 23 says that King Josiah made a covenant with the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments. This church led to one of the greatest victories ever seen in the Bible. One of the greatest victories. Because guess what? After years, after decades, after centuries of kings turning their eyes away from the evil. Of kings turning their eyes away from the high places. Of kings ignoring the bad that was happening. Finally, King Josiah comes along and has an amazing victory. He took the bull by the horns, so to speak, and he finally started... To destroy the idols of Baal and Asherah poles and the priests sacrificing to them. Second Kings chapter 23, starting in verse 4, says, And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest 
and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. Church, I could read more to you because he destroyed so much more than what I just read. But for the sake of time this morning, you can go ahead and check that out on your own. That's 2 Kings 23. Everything that was defiling to the Lord in this nation, King Josiah had set out to destroy. Remember back in 1 Kings, I just read it, the prophet of the Lord came and prophesied that there would be a king coming. Named Josiah by name. The Lord knew Josiah was coming. And the Lord knew that Josiah would honor the name of the Lord and destroy anything that did not give praise to the Lord. This was a huge deal during this time. And this is what sets us up for the story of Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel was born into this time frame when these revisions were taking place and these reforms were taking place in the nation. So, Ezekiel went on in life to become a priest. But God also called him to be a prophet. Now, throughout the book of Ezekiel, you'll find him talking about how Israel was supposed to be the image bearer of God in a sinful world. Uh, Ezekiel often told people that God was saying, you shall know that I am the Lord. He would often prophesy and say, thus says the Lord, uh, uh, thus says the Lord, you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, this was said because the people of that day were overwhelmed with money, wealth, pleasure, sexual things, whatever they could get their hands on, they were doing. And Ezekiel was able to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And he gave them some hope in the midst of their sin and their chaos. But in this story, I want to skip to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And we're going to look at an interaction between Ezekiel and God. And this is pretty noteworthy to go through. Because remember when I said that if God says it, it is done? This story exemplifies that idea perfectly. As we come into Ezekiel 37, we find Ezekiel writing, and he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and that the Spirit of the Lord set him down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. So what we see here is not that Ezekiel was literally picked up and dropped into a valley of bones, but what we see here is that Ezekiel is having a vision. Now, a vision is not something that is literally happening to you. And it's not even exactly like a dream either, because it doesn't always happen while you're sleeping. See, God speaks to people in many different ways. If you've heard me preach before a time or two, you'll know that I've probably said before that God speaks to me through dreams. God knows how to get my attention through dreams. Now, it's never been where I'm having a dream and God drops into the picture and says, Dustin, this is what I want you to do. It's never like that. It's, it's different, because what happens is in these dreams... There will usually be a symbol of some kind. Something will happen, and it's a symbolism thing. And I'll wake up, and at any other time, I would, I'd be like, well, that was kind of a weird dream. But there's some times where I wake up, and I know exactly what that symbol means. I know exactly what this means. You know, I remember when I was back in college, and I was looking for direction from God on what to do with my summer. And I had a dream that the blinker bowl went out of my car. And I woke up. And immediately, I knew that God was saying to me, Dustin, the direction that you're going in life is not going to turn out. I'm wanting to do something different with your direction. And I want you to trust me. 
So, you know, any other time that your blinker would go, I never think of something like that. But I woke up and I knew exactly what God had for me. And sure enough, the direction changed and I did something different for my summer. I did something different after college uh, than I was expecting to do. I was expecting to go to Minneapolis for more ministry training and I ended up having more ministry training in Wisconsin. So it was just a different, a different thing that God was speaking to me, but sometimes God speaks through visions for people too. Some of you in this room may have had visions before. That's uh, something that you know, definitely happens and God gives people visions. And uh, you probably know what that's like for you. I don't know if I've ever... Uh, I've had a vision or two before, but most, mostly it's dreams. Some people um, hear best from God when they're reading their Bible. Some people hear best from God when they're just in prayer. Or some of it's in worship. Some people hear best from God when someone else tells them, Hey, God said this for you. You know, God said this to you about this situation. Many different ways that God speaks to us. He knows you specifically. So if you're like, oh, I wish I would have... You know, uh, I wish someone would come up to me and tell me something that I need to know from God. Well, God knows you. He knows you specifically, so keep listening for Him, and He knows best how to speak to you. Now, this vision for Ezekiel happened, and it, God showed him something vividly in his mind, and it's, it's almost as if they could see it, you know, they could close their eyes and see it kind of happening as... God shows them. So we pick up in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 2 through 6. Now, before I read this portion, I'll tell you, Ezekiel is being led by God in the valley of the bones at this point. So we start reading in chapter, er, chapter 37, verse 2. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many dry bones on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, only you know. <coughs> Excuse me. Basically, he's saying, no, I, you know, only you know, God, if this can happen. So, this is uh, something you're going to have to show me. And so, he said to me, <coughs> prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. And you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you. And cover you with skin. And put breath in you. And you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Now this is awesome. Love this scripture. Let's pause here for a moment though and see. Because this happens to Ezekiel in a vision. And the Lord God of heaven and earth tells him to prophesy over piles and piles of dead bones. In a valley. Now, he said that he wanted them to become alive again. He said, prophesy over them so that they would become alive again. And flesh would come upon them and they would live again. An interesting thought here, seeing as scripture does not say that they were fully put together skeletons on the ground. It would be easier for me to believe that God could put them together if the skeletons were already in place. But, and I really don't care to see that anyway, uh, but regardless, that's what happened here. And it wasn't skeletons, it was dry bones. Dry bones. Piles of bones. And what God is asking him to do had not been done in the history of time. So just imagine what Ezekiel is feeling in this moment. If you look at the valley that they're in, this will tell you a lot about what's taking place here. Biblical scholars believe that the valley that's named here represents Mesopotamia, 
because of evidence in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 22. But Mesopotamia is where the nation of Israel wandered through when they were not serving the Lord. The nation of Israel was God's chosen people, but they turned their hearts away from God and had hard hearts, and they were not serving God. Again, they were chosen people, but they were spiritually dead. Are you seeing the correlation here? Because the bones that are represented uh, here is the nation of Israel. The bones represented Israel and their spiritual state. They were saying, he was saying that Israel is spiritually dead. So because God had made a promise to Israel that they would one day enter the promised land, God was asking Ezekiel to prophesy over these dead dry bones that they would live again. In other words, God was asking Ezekiel to prophesy over Israel that they would one day live spiritually again. And they would be restored back in the relationship with God. The miracle of this whole story <coughs> excuse me, is this. Why did God have grace on them? Why did God have grace on Israel? They were so hard-hearted. I couldn't tell you why. Why did God want Israel to be restored after they turned their backs on him? I don't know. He loves them. And he made a promise to them. So there's that. But if God is a God that's all-knowing... Why would he make a promise to a nation that he knew was going to turn their back on him? If you're looking for an answer today, I cannot tell you an answer. But what I can tell you is this. Why would God save a sinner such as me? Or you? Why? I don't know. God says he did that because he loves us. And that's why, but... Why would he do that for me? I can tell you that I'm grateful he did. And I'm sure you are too. And I'm sure Israel was as well. But continuing on here, a little excerpt from Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel goes on and says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. Look, without hesitation, without pause, Ezekiel did exactly what the Lord commanded him to do. Ezekiel could have said, Hold on God, don't you know that these people are not serving you? You know, there's no way I'm going to prophesy that. They don't deserve it. Not at all. But Ezekiel held his emotions, if that, was, he was, if that was actually what he was feeling, and he went ahead and prophesied, continuing on in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 7. It says, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. This is the exciting part, by the way, okay? There was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. 
I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Church, I have a word for you from the Lord today. I really believe that God's been laying this on my heart for a while. And when I found out Pastor Joe wasn't going to be here and they said, Dustin, we need you to preach. I said, okay, because God's been speaking this to my heart for a little while now. And I know exactly what God is, is trying to say to us today. Um, what I say to you is this. Exactly what Ezekiel prophesied over the Israelites is exactly what I prophesy over you today. I don't know exactly what you're going through. I don't know how you're feeling spiritually, emotionally, or physically. But I don't know if you even came to church feeling spiritually dead. But hear the word of the Lord today. The dry bones that are laying dead on the floor, I say to them today, just as Ezekiel said, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. But thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. And you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you. And will cause flesh to come upon you. And cover you with skin. And put breath in you. And you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Declares the Lord. Believe this. Believe this with all of your heart today. Because God wants to breathe new life into you today. Declare it. Believe it with all your heart and you'll start to see God do some outstanding things in your heart and life like you've never experienced before. Yes. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And he's calling your spiritual dry and dead bones to come back to life today. And if God says it, it is done. If God says it, it is done. I want to sing a song for you today. If you want, just close your eyes and worship today. Sing along, that's fine, but listen to these words. So perfect for what I believe God wants to speak.
that it's time for America to put our eyes back on God, to pray and seek His face, to ask God to forgive our sin and heal our land. I believe God wants to breathe new life into the United States of America, and not only that, but also upon our whole entire world. And God is the one who will do it. We must put our faith and trust in Him. What I find amazing in this story is the grace that God had on the nation of Israel. He didn't have to have that grace, but he had made a promise, and he made a promise to Israel, so if God says it, it is done. So he followed through. Even through the sin that those people were involved in, even though they publicly defiled God with their idols and sacrifices of every kind, God wanted to be put back on the forefront of their minds and their hearts, so he made a way. For that to happen. If God says it, it is done. You know, something that I think about often when I'm discouraged in my faith is my experience as a teenager at Spencer Lake Christian Center. It's a camp that's in Wisconsin. It's the Assembly of God, one of the Assembly of God camps in the state of Wisconsin, where I grew up. And um, I went to this camp, and on, on uh, Wednesday of this week at camp, they were telling us that they wanted to do a, a night of healing. And so I thought, well, that's awesome. Do I believe God can heal? Yes, I do. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen tonight. And uh, on Wednesday night, the first thing they did was they said, we want to give an opportunity for spiritual healing. Now, you got to know about camp, that if you're not saved by Monday night, you know, that's one thing. But if you're not saved by Tuesday night, that's on you, because... You know, they put a high priority on salvation, and they, and they put it out there for students. But uh, one thing that they did as well was by Wednesday night, you know, if you weren't saved by Wednesday night, it's just, it, that's your own fault. Like, you have got to at least have the opportunity. And I know um, I joke about that, but truly, there are some people that just aren't ready to accept Christ. And that breaks my heart, but there's some people who aren't ready to accept Christ. And so... Uh, that's what was happening here at camp. And so sure enough, a few more people gave their hearts to Christ on Wednesday night. It was a big celebration. Then they went for they had three sessions of healing. The first one was spiritual healing, and people got saved, and we rejoiced, and it was awesome. The second one was prayer for mental and emotional healing. Now, mental and emotional healing is hard to see with your eyes. You know, if, if, if someone was healed of uh, depression or anxiety right in front of me, it would be kind of hard to see that. I don't know what's going on in their mind. I don't know what's going on in their hearts and in their brains. So I wouldn't know that as well unless they said, I'm free. You know, I felt this weight lifted off me. Um, so it's not as tangible for, for me to see with my own eyes. But um, God does it. And I know He can. And I've seen Him do it. And I know He would do it again for someone who asked. But I also uh, was excited about this next portion. Because this was the physical healing portion. This is the miraculous miraculous uh, time when we were going to see people healed. Now, there were some people that had asthma that were there. Again, this is students, um, so but there was a lot of needs in that room. There were people that had broken legs. There were people that um, had scoliosis. They had a, a messed up spine, and they couldn't uh, bend down and touch their toes or jump up or anything like that. So they prayed for spiritual healing. That happened. They prayed for mental and emotional healing. That happened. And then... They prayed for physical healing. And they said then, they said, all right, now you've been prayed for. We prayed for you that you'd be healed of your physical healings. Uh, we want you now. We don't want you to just walk away. We want you to test it. 
You know, so if you've had asthma, take a big breath in and breathe back out. And we're hoping that God has healed you and that you won't cough and that you'll actually be able to breathe all the way through. If you had scoliosis, reach down, touch your toes, jump up and down, uh, put your arms, both arms straight out, and and we're praying that your arms are the same length when you when you put your hands up. Um, you know, if you if you have a cast, you know, test test out your, your leg a little bit. You got a broken leg, test out your leg, see see how it's going. So that happened, and there was a kid, a kid right in front of me who asked for prayer for healing. Now I had I had not known what he needed prayer for. I just prayed for him. And when they said to test your healing, he bent down and touched his toes. He jumped up in the air and began to weep, began to cry. And after service, I asked him, I said, hey, I don't know what you got prayed for. I don't know what happened to you. I'm just wondering what happened. And he said, Dustin, I had, um, I had scoliosis when I came to camp. And he said, they prayed for me, and God healed me. He said, I, never, I haven't been able to reach down and touch my toes for years. He said, I haven't been able to put out both arms and see them both the same length. He said, I, I've had so much pain in my back. He said, the pain's gone. I can jump up and down. I can reach down and touch my toes. Everything's in perfect alignment. And he had, he had been healed. And that was amazing. But you know, the even cooler part of this story is I kept up with him. I was just, maybe it was, you know, the, the uh, crazy me or the skeptic in me. Call it whatever you want. But I was in high school and I was trying to figure everything out, all right? So I uh, kept up with this guy for months uh, and even years. And even after years had gone by, this man had never suffered any more issues with his back ever again. He had no back pain. He had the same, you know, limber movements he could make, and he had no pain, and God had completely healed him. And so whenever I'm doubting my faith, I remember that story and stories like it that God has allowed me to see. Because I can't deny what I saw with my own eyes. I also saw a girl that had a cast on. She had literally had her leg run over by a golf cart, and it was completely broken. She came to camp and had just gotten a cast put on it. She comes to camp and she gets prayed for for this healing. And she takes that cast off and she starts running around. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you'd think you'd see in a movie. That you'd think that you'd see doctored up on some TV show. But it's the real deal. I saw it with my own eyes. God is on the move. And if God says it, He will do it. If God says it, He will do it. Would you bow your heads today as we reflect on what God's speaking to us today? Maybe you're here today and you just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been teeter-tottering between wanting to do everything you want to do and living for the world. And maybe you even want to live for Him some of the time. But just as we as humans were serving the idols of this world and we were dishonoring God, God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross. See, just as God made a way in the story of Ezekiel for the Israelites to be put back into relationship with God... So God did the same thing for us in sending Jesus, His Son. If you haven't accepted Christ into your heart today and you'd like to, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Because God doesn't want you to be spiritually dead. He wants you to be alive in Christ. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He had you on His mind as He died for you. And on the third day, He rose from the dead, proving that He has the victory... And proving that He is the Son of God. This is the best message you'll ever hear. The message of the Gospel. 
I'm going to pray a prayer today, and I invite you to pray with me if you'd like to accept Christ into your heart and commit to a life of living after God. Everyone in this room right now, I invite you to repeat after me as we pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross, and I believe that you rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness for every sin I've ever committed. Help me to turn from my sin and live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've accepted Christ today, we congratulate you on this commitment. Accepting Christ, see, for me, was the greatest decision that I ever made. And I reap those benefits and rewards of it every day. But I want to encourage you uh, that your decision, your uh, decision to follow Christ doesn't just end here. It's not just one decision. So I want to encourage you, if you've made that decision today, I want to bring you through some next steps. But I also want to pray with a second group of people today that are feeling spiritually dead as well. Uh, maybe you feel as though you were once alive in Christ and you were doing really well, but you feel like you've slipped off the bandwagon just a, a little bit. You're not alone today, church. You're not alone today. If that's you, you're feeling like that you are not alone. God is with you today, and He's inviting you back. He's calling out to the dead bones that are in your life, and He wants to breathe new life into them today. Because if God says it, it is done. Would you pray with me as we close? Dear Jesus, I pray for all those who feel like they were once alive in Christ, but now they're feeling as though they're far away from you. And dear God, I just pray today that you would breathe new life into the bones that are dead in their life. I pray that you would help them to be encouraged in their relationship with you and restore them back to relationship just like you did the dry bones in the valley with Ezekiel. Dear God, I pray that they would understand more of who you are and we would be overwhelmed and excited about your presence and your life-transforming power in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.